everybody. Welcome to the Yamcast. My name is Erica. And I am Chris. Yam actually stands for Young Adult Ministry. So the goal of this podcast is to talk about college and young adult ministry and how to effectively do that. Yeah. And the music in our episode is from our lovely friend Brian Nielsen and James DeWall. He just makes us sound so good. All right. All right. So, looking at the the Danites are making a making a move. Episode fourteen out of fifteen in the Book of Judges. We're almost done. It's time for the basic storyline. Are we ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Here we go. So, verse one reminds us what we need to know for the rest of the book. There's no king in Israel, and we're supposed to assume that we remember all the other comments of that means everyone's doing what's right in their mm-hmm. own eyes. Keep that in mind, because check out what happens here. Okay, so in one sense, the authors remind us that no one is following God. That kind of comes back to what I was saying last week, this idea that they there's this belief that like the kings made everything right, but that's not really always true. No. In fact, that's often not the case. So I think what the author is really saying, but there's no king in Israel, meaning the Lord is not in charge, and that's a messed up situation. So then it goes on in verse one to say this. And in those days, the tribe of people of Dan was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in. For until then, no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had fallen to them. Is that a lie? Ye- no. They don't have, they don't actually have a place? It is not a lie, but it is a creative retelling okay. of the story. I would say not a lie. Yes. Sorry. Yes. You can't say that the Bible, the word of God. Sorry. Lies. Yes. That would be a problem. However, what you I think you're inferring is exactly what I want to say. Because they do have a spot. They're supposed to. Okay. But it says here that nothing had fallen to them. Give them some of Manasseh. Manasseh you, got a lot. Well, if you go back to Judges 1, they didn't do the job. So, so they didn't clear their own spot. They really. didn't fight the battles they were supposed to fight. And specifically in Judges 1, 34 and on... The Danites don't have a land because they get run out of town from where they're supposed to be, and they start living in the hill country, as opposed to on the plains where they're supposed to be. So from their perspective, which I'm sure is part of what's being written in chapter 18, verse 1, the Danites haven't been given land. This is not fair. Aww. But the Danites are so a bunch sad. of they're a bunch of losers who didn't do what they were supposed to do. <laughs> I'm just picturing in my mind what the Danites look like. All right. Anyways. They probably have glasses on and they push them up all the time before they No, I wouldn't say that is a loser. I would say the ones who are like the slackers. That's what I think of with the loser, like the slacker that like. Yeah. I got you. They say something and like there's something that went wrong in your life and you just kind of go, hmm. Yep. Hmm. Oh, (laughs) I see what happened there. You didn't do blank. That's because you're terrible at your life. That's I mean, ex- I wouldn't say it in those words, but that's basically what is going on with Dan. And yes. the, based on the face that you just made, that's exactly mm. what you're saying. And if they saw your face, they would know exactly yeah, what you're saying. But you can't see my face because it's a podcast. That is exactly <laughs> how it's supposed to be read in verse one. Okay. We're supposed to read that and go, wait, that doesn't seem right. Yes. And I think, again, the author or the editor, whoever put all this together in its final form, wants you to go, wait, seriously? But most of us are lazy, and we don't go back and look and see, 
Oh, they did have We're an. We're just a, like, oh, me and Dion. Right, but they have an. I'm so sad for <laughs> me you, and Dion. I oh, love me that. and Dion. But if you go back and read the book of Joshua, they do have a plot of land. If you look at what happens in Judges one, remember they didn't clear the land. They didn't know where they're supposed to. And the angel of the Lord came and said, "I'm going to leave people here that aren't supposed to be here because you didn't do your job." Well, when I look at the maps, they do have a little spot. By the Phil, like right next to the Philistines and bingo. Yeah, I'm like they're supposed the to maps show it. <laughs> no, they're supposed to be in Philistine country, mm. but they didn't wipe the Philistines out. Okay, and because of that, in verse they don't 30, live there. in verse 34 and on in chapter one of Judges, if you go back and read it, it just says that they got pushed to the hill country because they didn't wipe out the inhabitants. So the tribe of Dan doesn't finish the job. And so they, so get, they get pushed into an area and they're like, we don't like the whole country. We don't, this doesn't feel right. This, And I also think that they don't like the fact that they're so close to the Philistines. So they're like, maybe we should go somewhere else where the Philistines aren't because the Philistines are strong and, and big. And some of them have six fingers. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd want to live by them either, to be honest. Correct. But that's why you wipe them out when you're supposed to, Dan. Bingo, as they would say in Guardians of the Galaxy. So... What's funny is I when I say Dan, I just think of your brother. <laughs> That's Does that make you think of him? <laughs> no, I do not think of a tribe of tall redheads <laughs> who are all angry with life. <sighs> My Yeah. But he's funny. We've all joked with Dan that he's an old man, and that's been the case since he was like two. He's hilarious, <laughs> but he is, he is an old man who's difficult sometimes to... Uh, like As if, the if, Danites are. If you don't love Dan... Dan will drive you crazy. <laughs> Just like if you don't love the Danites, the Danites drive you they nuts. They will be that thorn in your side. So tell me where this story sounds familiar. So because they, quote unquote, don't have land, they send out five spies to go find them a new spot to live. Hmm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? If you've followed the biblical With narrative at all. Joshua, right? Ah, uh, yes. Joshua and Caleb but are the two spies. Two. Well, they're the good spies. There's, yes. t- there's 12 total. Yes, and there's two. Yeah. Right. There's one for yes. each tribe. And two of them are good, 10 of them are bad. Here, five spies go out to the land to find what they're looking for. And would you know it, they start in the country of Ephraim because it's right next door. And as they're wandering through Ephraim, they just sort of happen upon this super rich guy who has all these amazing things. Great figurines. And they stay there with him for a little while. And they're like, man, this guy's got everything. This is so nice. Look at all the stuff he's got. He's so rich. He's got a priest. Right. So they live there for a little bit and they're like, all right, man, well, see you, Micah. We're going to go live somewhere else. And so they wander away from Micah. And as they go away, they're like, hmm, thinking caps. Maybe we should do something about that. (laughs) So as they wander the, the country of Israel, they end up all the way in the north of Israel and in a land just north of what we would call Bashan. And as they end up in the north part of Israel, if you were to go there today, which if you have an opportunity to go to Israel, you need to go to the Mount Hermon region, which is where we're at. Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in the in the land, in the is region. Is that that belly bottom? No. Oh. That's Tabor. Okay. And Sorry. that's just down the road. But Mount Hermon, when we went in uh, late May, it still had snow on top. Okay. In Israel. Yeah. It was 115 degrees by the Dead Sea on the south end of Israel. So that means but on the north high. end of Israel, it still had ice on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And what happens is because of the ice on top of the mountain, it melts and it actually floods the land below. There are streams at the base of Mount Hermon that are just like flowing year round, just like, whoa. And those streams feed a little river called the Jordan. And Heard the, of that and one. And the Jordan snakes down the region a little bit. And as it ends up in 
the area of Galilee, there's a large basin and it filled it with a lake, right? Mm-hmm. Lake Kinneret or the Sea of Galilee, Galilee as you hear about as, it in the Gospels. Yeah. So Mount Hermon is responsible for the Sea of Galilee, responsible for the Jordan River, okay. and ultimately responsible for the Dead Sea. They're all connected to each other, right? That's, that's nice one long lesson. thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. You're welcome. With no map, this I is like all it. done on the podcast, so you can't see what we're talking about here. But if you go find a map, which we'll, we'll include in the show notes, yes, you'll be able will. to see it. So check this out. So they go up to this lush, beautiful land. There's streams everywhere, and it's green, and it's beautiful. And they start thinking about their land down on the edge of the Philistines. And they go, man, that, that hill country is kind of dry and a little arid. And we have to wait for the rains to come, right? You remember the Mount Carmel situation with, with Elijah? Yes. Right? The land has been not uh, rained on for years. And all of a sudden in Mount Carmel, they have this huge showdown. All that's connected. It's just kind of a dark, uh, dry area, right? If you look at it on a map, that land of it, that, the hill country just... This is so weird. I'm saying it on a podcast, but on the north part of where Philistia would be, or today that'd be Gaza, the Gaza Strip. Okay, that whole area is fairly arid. It's it's not desert, but it's close. You know what I'm saying? So when you're living in an arid area and you don't love it, and you're looking for a new place to live, and you end up in the north part of the country, and you're like, man, it's so green, this and beautiful. This is really great. This is great. So they show up there, and they also notice that there's a city, and it's called Laish. And uh, Laish is just lush, and beautiful. And it's super peaceful. They can hear crickets. Not for long. Right? And the streams are running and the birds and the, you know. In the so other, it sounds great. In other parts of the Bible, like the hills of Bashan are known as like where the fattest cattle live. In fact, mm. there's, there's multiple poems to women in the Bible. And one of them says, you know, you are like the cows of Bashan, meaning you're plump and beautiful, which is. Maybe there's a different definition of beauty in ancient Israel. I was going to say, Samson is, also called his right. woman a heifer. You see so what I'm saying? There's something going on there. So they see Laish, and here's what they do. They they think, man, these, these people are so peaceful and it's beautiful. And they're they're called Sidianites because they're from the land of Sidian, which is over straight east of this. It's on the Mediterranean. There's mm-hmm. Sidian, there's Sidon and Tyre, Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. Yeah. Those, those two are basically the north part of Israel. And these individuals are Sidianites who have settled in Laish. And they're like, it's so peaceful. And, and the word is actually, they're unsuspecting. So it reminded me of a Jack Handy quote. You, Jack Handy was like this book written in the 1990s and hilarious that Saturday Night Live did a bunch of these things. But here's the quote from Jack Handy that I think is fantastic. I can picture in my mind a world without war, a world without hate. And I can picture us attacking that world because they'd never expect it. <laughs> yeah. That is the Danites. In full bloom. So they, they look around and they're like, man, that's, that city is so peaceful. They would never expect it if we came over and just destroyed them. So they go back home. They get 600 people. They load up their mm-hmm. armies. And as they load up their armies, middle of chapter 18, they start marching toward Laish because they're like, we're going to destroy that city. So as they're marching along, where would they go? But right past the rich Micah. guy's house, right? They're like, man, Micah's got a ton of stuff. Let's go there. And so as these 600 armed men go there, the five spies are like, dude, we should totally go in there and take all of his stuff. And by the way, there's a priest there. So they go in, they take Let's all the stuff. Him too. And the priest is like, what are you doing? And they're like, would you rather be a priest over one household or would you rather be a priest over an entire tribe? I'm trying to channel the guy from Ant-Man. Which is also very Abimelech. Totally. He did the same thing. Anyways, totally. keep totally. going. Totally. It, it's yeah. so messed up. And she's like, would you rather be, you know, 
over one man and just an entire tribe. And they're like, oh, one entire tribe. What a great yeah. idea. And the Levite's like, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go make a ton more money up in the north part of the country. And he's like, let's go. And so he starts going. And that's that's my impression of this all. Mm-hmm. So they move. And as they're moving north, all of a sudden, Micah comes home. He's like, dude, where'd my priest go? Where'd all my stuff go? And they're like, oh, the Danites took it. So he's like, what? Where'd they go? And they pointed. And so he's like running after him, you know, and the Danites are still marching. And he gets onto the hill and he looks over the hill and he sees the 600 Danites. He's, he's like, like oh. What are you doing? And the Danette's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you took my stuff. And the Danette's like, no, bro. Do you seriously want to fight us? And, and Micah like, goes, oh, man, you guys look really you guys look really tough. With all your armor and weapons. So he puts his head down and goes home. And everyone lives happily ever after. Maybe for Micah, who knows? No. Uh, that, not, only, no. Not, not only does he not live happily ever after, but they then go to Laish and they destroy Laish and they set it up as their own town. And they start calling it... What Dan, Dan? Dan. So later on in the Bible, and this isn't deeper dive, this is still basic storyline, but this is something that you need to know. Israel is often called in the later books... From Beersheba all the way to Dan. Mm. Dan is the northern city. Beersheba is the southern city. So they're like, it'd be like for us saying from New York to L.A., right? This mm-hmm. this idea like from coast to coast, the, the, the furthest south to the furthest north. You know, in our case, I supposed to be like from Mexico all the way to Canada. You know, like we are, that's us. That's the same idea, except we usually go east to west because our country is bigger that way. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's more impressive. But for them... North to south is it's the thing. So from Beersheba all the way up to Dan. And you're like, what's Dan? Well, Dan is Laish. And Laish was destroyed because they were unsuspecting people who were living peacefully. And along comes 600 warriors from Dan, wipe the whole town out, Just rude. set up shop. And then the whole tribe of Dan moves north and basically never heard from again. They show up a couple of little times here and there, but the Danites just disappear off the face of the earth. And you might go, why is that? Well, we're going to get into that in the deeper dive. Anything you'd add in the storyline? No. That pretty much covers it. <laughs> Super uplifting, I know. I know uh, we're all like, man, this is the greatest story ever told. No, it's pretty messed up. And it's only going to get worse because the tribe of Dan, you know, follows in the footsteps of their mighty leader, Samson. And the rest of them from here on out are going to get even yeah. worse starting next week with a Levite and uh, the tribe of Benjamin. So. That's the basic storyline. If you're following along, Judges is getting pretty messed up. You're probably like, getting? (laughs) It already was. It already done been brought in. (laughs) 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 All right. You know, it's funny when you get James. Yeah. Because he's like kind of paying attention, kind of not paying attention. And then all of a sudden he's You know, it's really good when he starts cackling back there. That's good. And now it's time for the Deeper Dive. Dan. Ah, Dan. What do you do with Dan? Dan, my man. And, and again, if you're thinking of my brother, uh, he's cool, but not as cool as this. He's messed up sometimes, but not as messed up as this. So the city of Dan is founded by destroying Laish, and it becomes the town of Dan's region. So a couple things that you need to know about Dan that might be important for us to know. If you were to go visit Dan today, and and the ruins of the city do exist, one of the more important parts of Israel's archaeological findings is there's actually a gate called the Abraham Gate in the city of Dan. And the reason why it's called the Abraham Gate is because it was built 
around 4,000 years ago. So the leader of the Israelite people at the time, a guy named Abraham or Abram, if he was coming down into the promised land from, let's say, Ur, right? He, mm-hmm. he lived in the Ur of the Chaldeans and yeah. he moved down into the promised land. He, the only way he would have gotten into the promised land is through this gate. Oh. So it was the coolest part of Israel for me when I was there, just to stand next to the gate of Abraham and go, whoa, this is really, really old. And they've covered it now. So you like it's not eroding anymore. Super old. You can tell how old it is compared to other gates in the other gates in the country have like a medieval or a you know an early mm, okay. Herod type feel to it. This is basically old bricks that look like they're going to fall apart. So like they're much more simple. Super brittle. Yeah, it's four thousand years old or more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. It's really really cool. So the town of Dan, though, when you start to research Dan, there's some pretty crazy things that are happening around there. And so I, I wanted to use the whole deeper dive just to talk about this a little bit. And so I'm going to wander a little bit. Stick with me if you can. But the the Danites leave Philistine country because they're afraid. So where do they move? But to the lush green pastures of here, which is tied to a land called Bashan. We have talked about these things. We've brought them up a little bit in the podcast so far. But let me just point out why this is so significant. This is all near Mount Hermon. Like I told you earlier in the podcast, the Mount Hermon is tall. It's It's got ice on top. It's it's where all the water comes from in Israel, pretty much, besides the rains. Mm-hmm. So Mount Hermon is, is – it's an impressive mountain. I mean, it's a – like when you go – you might have gone and seen other mountains and you get to them and you see the peak and you're like, whoa. Like that's – when you're driving through Israel, most of it's just kind of like, oh, that's that's Mount Zion or, oh, that's the Mount of Olives. Like, none of them is super impressive. Like how we kind of are like, oh, that's such a big hill. Right. It's really just, pretty yeah, much, yeah, like a yeah. hill. Pretty much the land of Israel is pretty much just a bunch of rolling hills that some of them are rockier than others, you know, for the most part. You get to Mount Hermon and you're like, whoa, that's, that's a mountain. Like, that's that's huge. And it's... It's almost as tall as Ararat, which is just a little further north, okay. and that's where the Ark lands. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of give you an idea, like it's it's a pretty amazing place. And Mount Hermon is important. In Jewish tradition, and let me let me point out, where I'm about to go is not in the Bible, but there's enough said about it in the Bible that Jewish tradition sort of has compiled all of it, and they believe this to be true. It may not be true, but the fact that the early Jews believe would have this. believed it Makes and this is the, written at this time. Makes the story so. incredibly important for us. So they believed that when the angels rebelled against God, the place where they sort of rushed out of heaven and invaded the earth was Mount Hermon. So at the base of Mount Hermon, there are a number of myths about gods that were created or individuals who were born from the earth, not the least famous of which is Pan. And Pan is, you're probably familiar with that from like Midsummer Night's Dream if you're a Shakespeare fan or if you've ever seen like Mr. Tumnus in Chronicles mm. of Narnia is a, is a fawn. And Pan is a fawn. He's, he's half goat on the bottom and then a, a person on top and he runs around. And the reason why he's called Pan is because he plays a flute called Pan. That's actually where Peter Pan comes from. Like, okay. It's more about the flute than Peter himself, right? Peter leaves his home and plays this little flute that's sort of magical, and that's that's where the, the myth of Peter Pan comes from. So Pan is, he runs around playing the flute, and, and what the ancients believed about Pan was that he was born from the earth, and in him being born from the earth, he began to play the flute, and flowers and stuff grew out. So the reason why the region was so green was because Pan was doing his job. Okay. 
And Pan, the worship of Pan significantly in the Roman times and the Greek times stretched from Mount Hermon all the way down to an area called the Gerasenes, which will matter in a, in a minute when we get to it. But this whole region is called Bashan and it's green and it's lush, like I said, the cows of Bashan. But it's also tied to a lot of interesting Bible things about giant people. So if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter two, and I would recommend you do that at this point, just, you know, even pause the podcast or when you get done with this, go back and read Deuteronomy two. Deuteronomy two is full of all of these individuals that are super weird. There's a guy named Og, who's the king of Bashan, but Og's bed is 13 and a half feet long and it's made of iron. That's big. And you go, why would a man need a 13 and a half foot bed unless dun, 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 he's huge, right? Well, it probably has to be made about iron because otherwise it's going to break. But go back to what we said in an earlier podcast. No one's supposed to use iron at this point. Mm -hmm. So there's some connections here to the demonic, this... This idea that Something's the, the right. broken angels snuck down from heaven into Mount Hermon and they started setting up shop and they set up shop. And as they set up shop, like all these little towns and stuff around there became like centers of worship for really dark, twisted, magical arts sort of people. And the belief was that some of these demonic individuals, and when I say the word uh, demonic, uh, I'm going to be very clear here in just a second. The angels who rebelled or the spiritual beings would probably be a better way to put it, who rebelled, began to try to have children, right? Back to the Genesis 6 thing that mm -hmm. we talked about weeks and weeks and weeks ago. As they begin to rebel, they create children. And as they create children, the souls of those children, the spirits of those children don't belong in hell or, or heaven. So they sort of wander the earth. And the word in Jewish tradition that you would use for those who are wandering the earth are demons, or, un mm. or unclean spirits. And both words are used, but specifically unclean spirits is typically used. And what's amazing is this region is right next to Galilee. Okay. So just to kind of keep it in mind here. So Dan moves up. They set up shop here in Mount Hermon, right where the rebellious angels have lived uh, and where they, they ran away and, and, you know, escaped God's judgment sort of thing. They, as if they could do that, by the way, I, I'm, I'm aware, but they, in their mind, they were running away from God. So they started in Mount Hermon. That's where the rebellion began. And the angels, you know, these angelic beings run around and they do all kinds of crazy things or spiritual beings, however, whatever word you want to use here. And the land is near where the Arameans are. And it's, it's north of this place called Bashan. So Dan leaves the Philistine country where the giants are to go live where even bigger giants are on the edge of Bashan. Now, the difference is these giants have been defeated by Moab and by Edom. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? When we were mm -hmm. talking about, um, I think it was Gideon, but that whole region uh, is all tied to this. This is near Mount Tabor at that point. Okay. So all of this stuff is connected. There's all these amazing little things and I don't have time to get into all the research and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's amazing that they leave where the Philistines are and they go up near the Arameans and they are wiped out almost immediately. They go from where it's rough and difficult to the land where it's it's plush and, and beautiful and they get just like destroyed and they just disappear. They're carried off by the Assyrians and they never come back. The tribe of Dan is not mentioned in the book of Revelation as a, a tribe that's going to inherit anything. So there's some interesting details there. It's almost like the Danites didn't do what God wanted them to do. So they just sort of disappear from the earth. Mm. Very, very interesting. So they avoid the Philistines. They go up to where the Arameans are. They're wiped out quickly. And now they live in the region of Mount Hermon. Okay? Yep. Now, the towns near Mount Hermon, another phrase that's used of those things is called the gates of hell. Oh. Or the gates of Hades. Yeah. 
So move forward in the story a little bit. You got Jesus. God in the flesh. He is the ultimate son of God, right? He is the epitome of every hero in the Old Testament who falls short. Jesus Mm -hmm. legitimizes everything about who God is. He really is God. He is everything that he says he is. So Jesus is on a little trip with his disciples. And there's, there's two significant things that happen with the life of Jesus that people probably don't notice. And the first one is he goes to the land of the Gerasenes. Remember I said the land stretches all the way down to the mm-hmm. Gerasenes. And who's, who greets him on the ocean, on the seashore besides a man filled with 2,000 demons, right? And he yeah. says, what do you call yourself? And he's like, I call myself Legion. He casts the demons out into the pigs and the pigs run down in the Sea of Galilee and they all drown. He tells that man, go tell everybody about me. So he does. That man goes and tells everybody about him. And the next time Jesus comes back there, there are 4,000 people that need to be fed. And Jesus feeds 4,000. Mm-hmm. And out of that 4,000, there are seven baskets of food left over. Guess how many tribes in Deuteronomy and Judges are mentioned that have to be wiped out from the land? Seven. seven. Yes, seven. Mm. So yes. the feeding of the 5,000 gives us 12 baskets of leftover food for the 12 tribes of Israel. And the feeding of the 4,000 gives us seven baskets of food connected to the seven, seven nations that need to be wiped out from the land. That's interesting to me. Then a little bit later, Jesus is heading up the, the, you know, closer to Mount Hermon. And he goes to a little city called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi is right next door to another little town that used to be called Dan. And before that, it was called Laish. So Jesus walks into Caesarea Philippi with his 12 disciples. And he says to them, what do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And all the disciples say, We believe that you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. To which he says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. In Caesarea Philippi, one of the temples to Pan is built where it's built because there's a massive rock in a cave. And they believe that 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 rock is what birthed Pan. Mm. And Pan is running around playing his little Pan flute. Mm -hmm. And he makes makes creation happen out of that. And so them saying, you're the Messiah, you're the son of God, they understand you really are the one we're supposed to be worshiping. And he says, upon that rock, I'm going to build my church. Then it says he goes to a high place and he transfigures himself for his disciples. Mm-hmm. The highest place in the area by far is Mount Hermon. So there's a bunch of little articles that I could point you to, and I'll, I'll connect one of them in uh, the show notes as well. But it's it's from a little blog uh, on it's called the blog.logos.com. And Logos is a Bible software company that I, I utilize for most of what we're doing here. And Michael Heiser, one of the guys we've quoted before, writes this amazing little thing uh, actually about this passage. And it's, it's amazing because when you go to this place, everybody talks about the rock that I'll build my church upon. And they show you the rock and they're like, isn't this cool? And you all go, whoa. But what Jesus goes on to say is the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there's so much going on here, but first off, be that gate of Hades. yeah, first off, gate of Hades is another way to say it, but he says the gate of hell shall not be, shall not prevail against it. And we often treat it as if like hell's going to try to attack us and destroy us, but they're never going to win. But gates don't move people. Yeah. Gates get attacked. So what he's actually doing there is telling the church, you are supposed to conquer the powers of hell. You've been given everything you need to go conquer hell, so go do it, and the gates of hell won't overcome it. it you're not going to be able to stop this this movement that's happening. It's it's going to go. It's going to happen. And he says this in the land of Caesarea Philippi, and then he goes up on top of Mount Hermon, where all the the angelic spiritual beings supposedly rebelled, 
and he transfigures himself into God, shows them, this is what I really look like. And all the mm-hmm. disciples are like, it is so good that we're here. And who else is there? Elijah and Moses. Mm-hmm. And then the voice says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then it's all over. And they're like, what is going on? And they go down to the base of the mountain and who's there, but a kid who's demon possessed, throwing himself in a fire. And Jesus goes, get out of him. And the demon leaves. And all the disciples are like, we've been trying to get it out of that kid for this whole time. Why? And Jesus goes, well, this one takes prayer and fasting. And he walks away. Now, if you're missing all of these details, what Jesus just did there was he walked into Mount Hermon and he declared war. You want to rebel against my father? I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to, I'm going to follow him completely and fully. And I'm going to show that I really am the father. I am, I am God in the flesh. I am, I am it. Like, you know, Jesus is, is God. God is also the, right. The father is also God. Mm-hmm. Now the father and the son are different, but yet they're the same. The it's same, this weird yeah. craziness of the Trinity, but he, he makes this thing happen. And then all of a sudden the disciples are like, Whoa, he really is who he says he is. And, and Jesus does all this in the region of Bashan, in the region where these two kings are rebelling against God and they're tall, tall individuals and the place that Dan sets up shop. Like this is not by accident. This whole Bible has been set up in this way to sort of go, whoa, look at all these amazing little details pulled together. And then you get to this moment and you read, oh man, the Danites should not be there. That's a bad region to be. Mm -hmm. So where does Jesus go? Right into that region and goes, check me out. Look who I am. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. All right. So that's Dan wrapped up in the deeper dive. But Dan and Mount Hermon are pretty much like messed up places. But if you go there today, you're like, whoa, I totally see it. And then you're going to you're going to go boom, mind blown. That's amazing. All right. Let's get practical. Let's get practical, practical. All right, so the first thing that I would like to talk about is with the Danites. And, I mean, the two things that I would like to talk about have to do with the Danites, obviously. Because that's what this chapter is about. But just this idea of you wanting something and desiring it, but not wanting to fight or work for it. So they basically are like, oh, we never were given a piece of land. And it's like, actually, you were given a piece of land. You just decided not to fight for it and not to, I mean, yes, it was be obedient, but like to actually work to have that land. Right. You were just kind of hoping it would happen upon your lap or be easy. And so I kind of, I get that from the Danites a lot is like the easy way out. And yes, traveling that distance is not easy, but they look at that land. This is another part of it too. And they see plush and beautiful and they think, this is going to be easier Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily going to be easier. So my two things for, for getting practical are if you actually want something, I mean, yes, I do believe like being patient and I do believe in letting God's timing rule. But if you're wanting something to happen or you're wanting to see something come about and all you're doing is sitting down on the couch watching Netflix, it's not going to happen. Mm. So you need to actually put, do something, you know? So you so, mean I can't become a millionaire by playing video games and eating Cheetos? I haven't seen it happen. So okay. I okay. would imagine, I mean, I don't want to say you can't because who knows? I mean, the people that on Fortnite made a ton of money, right? Didn't they do that? But it's super rare and that's like point zero 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 one percent that that would actually happen. Ninja's so skinny, I don't think he eats Cheetos. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, but 
just this idea, and I kind of have this idea sometimes too, where I really want something to come about, but then I, when I really think about it, I don't want to put in the hard work to make it come about. So I remember this, that's why I've kind of quit almost everything that I've done. I quit soccer because I was like, I want to be good, but I don't want to be, I don't want to put in that much work. It's a lot of running, you know, like that was really my thing. Um, Quit playing guitar, quit playing the drums. Cause I'm just like, I have to practice way too much. The, the flute, quit that one too. Um, <laughs> because it's just, I realized that for me, it wasn't worth it is really what it came down to. Like putting in this effort and putting in this time is not worth it to me. But I still then still desired those things. And that's not going to happen unless you actually put in the hard work. So that's something that I learned from the Danites is if you're wanting something to be, then you kind of got to continue to put in hard work and fight for it. Um, but also you don't want to make you don't want that thing to become an idol either. And that's what can happen to is you think that that's going to solve things and that's not. But if it's just, you know, whatever it might be, you still need to actually put effort in. And then kind of going off of that part of it, too, is just because something looks plush and beautiful doesn't necessarily mean it's right and easy. No. And actually, I I feel like over and over in the Bible, it's showing that the opposite is true. So if they would have stayed in arid part of the Philistia, if that's how you say it, Mm -hmm. um, it would have still been probably difficult, but they might not have been wiped out. And they go up somewhere else where it seems easy and great. I mean, that's the same thing where they put their hope in these people that look the part, but can't necessarily act the part. There's a saying in Israel that actually is really apropos to what you're talking about. And it it just says, uh, if you want comfort, go to Bashan. If you want wisdom, go to Jerusalem. Mm. And it's the idea of you want to live an easy life, sure, Go find yourself in Bashan, but it's not a good place to be. Yeah. You want to grow, you want to develop, go to the arid region. That's where wisdom is made. Yeah. I think it's cool. So that would be my my getting practical. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. It's very true. All right, Enneagram, where are we heading? Yeah, so <clears throat> I got lots of things in my throat. Um, It's not the Rona, I swear. Hold on. What? I'm actually just going to say Enneagram. Where are we going? So. Oh. Oh. We have an <laughs> intro. Well, it's more of like I'm just going to gonna pull from my 80s roots. So I think it should be like a Enneagram. You know, poison, guns and roses. Sure. No. no. I can't get as high as those guys, but that's my best attempt. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Levite, right? Yes. We're going to talk about the Levite today. We see him a little bit more. We talked about Levite, or we talked about Micah the last week. We're going to talk about the Levite today. I, so it seems like the Levite to me really just wants wherever he's going to have a greater impact. Hmm. So the one is not going to be enough. The 600 is where it's going to be at. So he wants his life to have meaning. He wants to be able to impact people, and the more people that he can impact, the better. So I would say that Micah is a four. The fours really want authenticity. They want to be um, – they don't They don't want to leave the world without, ha- like, having meaning put on the world. Like, they want to be able to have an impact. They want to be able to, 
to basically impart some of themselves onto the world. So I would say I would say that he is a four, just based on what some of his behaviors kind of have looked like. So and I I am a four, so I do kind of understand that, like leaving the one and going for the six hundred, because it sounds more impactful. Like you have more your arms can stretch more. But anyways. Hmm. Yeah. So I I would say I would say that the Levite is a four. If you're looking for argument, I'm not gonna I don't give <laughs> my expertise is not in this area for sure. Oh, so, I I know it's not. That's sounds, okay. Sounds good to me. Yep. And then yeah, next week with Enneagram we'll be doing some other things to dive into what the Enneagram is all about. A little bit more of that. So Sounds good. Mm-hmm. So the Yam spot this week kind of deals with yeah, a little bit of what we're talking about with the Danites, but we're going to take it a slightly different direction. And it's this. Think about your, I would say millennials, but millennials are actually mid-30s all the way to mid to late 20s at this point. So most millennials, based on the, the birthing boom, are actually in their 30s now. So not just talking about millennials here, we're talking about Gen Z as well. And... This, this age range is very social, right? Yes. They love people. Now, the, the other downside is they don't know how to communicate to people. Very true. So part of the reason why texting is a thing is because they don't know how to really communicate. And it's actually kind of a catch-22 thing. Like they don't know how to communicate, so they text but texting just won't teach them how to communicate. Correct. Yeah. So they're kind of stuck in this this place of like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to how to make this happen. If you're going to serve this age range well, you need to understand that they're social. They just don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to do things. So sometimes they're going to say things and do things that you're going to be like, "What are you doing?" They just don't know. So you got to you got to disciple them through that. Help them learn how to communicate and be a part of it. But it also matters, especially right now during this quarantine. You know, I like to call it lockdown because it just feels way more dramatic, yeah. right? But we're on lockdown. We're not able to communicate with each other as much as we normally would. And for the individuals that don't really know what they're doing for communication, they have no idea how to reach out or how to do it. So the onus is on you as the leader to actually do that. And if you're like, I'm a college leader, but I'm in my mid-20s. Like, I don't know. Like I'm the same. Then talk to someone who's older than you and figure out what they're doing to try to communicate with people. I've got older people in our that are running small groups here at this church. They're doing Zoom calls. They're doing messenger they're calls. They're figuring like, it out. They are connecting with their small group consistently because they want to make sure that they're staying connected, that they're doing their thing. Uh, the young people are like, I don't know. What I'm lost. <laughs> so there, there's a piece of that. And then the other thing that I, I, I loved where you were heading with this a little bit ago. Uh, we were talking um, before we started recording this, but the idea that at this age – rebellion is just a part of who they are. I mean, yeah. And I would say that's for all of us at, at this age, age yeah. right? It's not just this generation or any of that. It is literally, we all went through, I would say probably what, 15 to 24, 25, where we're just like, you don't tell me what to do. And it's almost universal that some at some point in one of those years at least, mm-hmm. right? Keep going. Yeah, you have a rebellious a rebellious, yeah, mine, I think, was earlier than that, actually. I would say my rebellious was, like, seventh grade till middle of high school, and then I, like, kind of figured it out. Um, 
But yeah, you you basically in some ways have to learn the hard way a lot of things. But yeah, you don't you bi- you literally want to do the opposite of what anybody is telling you to do. Mm-hmm. And you even go out of your way to kind of do those things. So and so often as a college leader or a young adult leader, you look at them and you go, I can't believe you're this stupid. I'm, and then you start to take it in, internally and you go, I'm the worst pastor or minister or group leader or director that there is because mm-hmm. I'm feeling so bad at this. You're dealing with individuals who are in the midst of the time frame that they're most likely to do that. So be aware of that and then lean into it. You know, Understand that they're probably going to mess up over and over again. It's probably going to feel like I am never going to get anywhere with them. But they, they are. And on top of that, they don't know how to communicate well. So you're you're taking on a, a massive task. But remember that your job as a pastor or a leader is not just to do all of the work for them. Your job is to disciple them, to grow them, to lead them, guide them to water, teach them how to drink kind of thing. Right? Well, and it's, yeah, like, because I know I can definitely get frustrated working with with the early 20s and the high schoolers and Almost, and I have, to, and I do have people in my life that remind me of like, you're, you are desiring them to be farther along on their journey than they actually mm-hmm. are. And I have to be mindful of that. But it's also okay just to say that out. And that's not a problem either. So, but yes, I, I do struggle because I'm like, I see it and I'm like, oh yeah, just do ba da ba da ba and you're going to be great. And they're like, you know, they cannot remove themselves enough to be able to sequential that that problem or that that thing out so yeah during this time i feel like them being told they can't do things is definitely a difficult a difficult thing so be mindful of that and maybe find like little ways that you're kind of breaking the rules but like not really breaking the rules but it seems kind of whatever because then it sounds like yeah it's almost allowing them to get that rebelliousness out a little bit without actually breaking any rules. I mean, I can't, I mean, that's like having sidewalk parties or where you literally, or like parking lot parties where you all drive there Mm -hmm. and you basically sit on top of your cars and you all are still talking and being able to be social, but you're not actually breaking any of the rules. Um, So those things would be helpful for the social aspect, but also kind of like the, hey, we're having a secret meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of helps, yeah, and not that we want to like fuel being rebellious, but it does like that is something they kind of need in some ways. And if you can give it to them without it actually being rebellion, like why not? We all kind of like a little bit of risk. We all like, I mean, we're human. So when it sounds like it's, you know, exciting and undercover and whatever, we're like all for it. But when it's really not, like it's not, you're not actually breaking any rules. You're not actually, you know, being rebellious. It's just you make it sound that way and it can sound a little more exciting. So. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast.
And we're back. Did you miss us? That's it. Stay safe out there, San Diego.